0: Alright, back to podcast, and I hope uh, everyone's had a good day in the Lord, and He's blessed us in so many ways. I am thoroughly enjoying this study in the life of David, and um, it's uh, just probably one other than just studying Christ. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say favorites because I, I enjoy the epistles very much, but uh I have enjoyed so far this study in David's life. For podcast, um, I, I, I I just believe in the future of podcast. I, I really do. I listen to podcasts uh, I, when I'm, I'm on the road a lot, and so throughout my days, I listen to podcasts. I don't really watch news. I get my news from podcasts. Um, and I um. I'll listen to that, and I'll listen to books uh, on, on Audible, but um, I just believe in the future of it. I believe that uh, with, it, with everybody's got a smartphone today, and podcasts are, are pretty readily available, and so I want to, going into the new year, I, I'd like to spice it up a little bit, I guess, and change it up some. I'd like to do uh, some live cast as our podcast. Um, and, and we'll, that would primarily be for a Wednesday, maybe, maybe do the Sundays early some, um, but we'll, we'll do some of that throughout the year and we'll go into some, some different studies, but it's often been said that, um, and I, and I said this in my announcement, my announcing post, um, Saturday morning that, and and I, I remember preachers saying it for years. I've probably told people that at one time. When somebody is is a new Christian, they recently get saved, that um to read through first John. And the thinking behind that is is once you get saved, the next step is to have assurance of your salvation. So I understand the thinking behind it. It's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. When you get saved, you should read the Bible, period. So I'm not nitpicking what book to read. However, um, as, as going through the ministry and the Christian life, I, I've really come to rethink that advice for someone recently saved, and and the reason is, is because First John is pretty simple. It's a pretty simple read, um, but it it is important to understand context and doctrine in in going into First John. So I I believe and you rarely hear me say that because typically I preach from or I teach and talk straight from Scripture. And so I don't have to go on belief and perspective. I love the People, <laughs> let me get on a side note. People always, you know, I've heard them say, well, you know, I appreciate your perspective or your interpretation or your opinion on this verse. Folks, do you not remember me teaching and talking that the Bible says that no prophecy of the scripture is given to any private interpretation? Peter said that. So there's no... Sean Brigman perspective and Joel Osteen perspective. I don't even think he deals with the Bible anymore. Or well, there's no Sean Brigman perspective and, you know, whoever else. There's, that's not the way it is, folks. The Bible is not given to a private interpretation. It is what it is. It says what it says. And if you address it within context, with a pure heart, then you won't come to two different conclusions. God said what he meant. So for someone to come to conclusions that are varied, that means someone's wrong in in what they're, they're interpreting or reading or they're missing context or they're just trying to fit the Bible into what their preconceived idea is. And I don't believe in doing that. There's been... Several things, many things through the years that I've I've seen it differently. I've seen it as God has said it, and in understanding that, I've changed the way I believed. And so we should always approach the Bible in that manner. So we go into the Gospel of John. Let's go to the Gospel of John, or the Book of John. I prefer uh i i prefer the word book of mark book of matthew book of john and and here's why and, and again i'm not pick not nitpicking i just i i know people think i do sometimes but here's here's the reality about that the the gospel is more plainly uh given in romans 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians than it even is in the first four books of the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament are, are essentially biographies of Jesus and, G, and the disciples and others. Um, they are historical accounts and they, give, of course, give the account of the resurrection and or the, the crucifixion the death, burial, and resurrection—they give all of that account. So, hence, it is proper to term them gospels, because that is the death, burial, and the re- or that is the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection. <coughs> but Romans basically lays it out even clearer. This is the gospel. In fact, we see what happens in the historical accounts in the first four books of the New Testament—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it's actually defined as being the gospel in Romans. So, having said all that, we're going to the book of John. Gospel of John, that's fine also. And of course, the writer uh, or the penman of the book of John is the Apostle John. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, as well as Revelation. And... um, this is definitely the last of the four gospels to be written. Um it's it's penned about 80-90 and it was written for a specific purpose, okay? The first three were direct historical events or or, or uh, direct historical perspectives and teachings. First three Book, uh, books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Well, John differs, and I, I, it, the, I know that uh, the other three have been called the Synoptic Gospels, uh, meaning they they parallel, they basically follow the same timeline, and 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 because they're in sync, that's that's where we would get the fra- where we get that phrase from. However, John differs. John has many of those issues. It has the feeding of the 5,000 and so forth. Uh, But it has other miracles. It has other occurrences that the other books don't have. And the reason it's different than the other three is, number one, it's later. But number two, it is written in response to some things that had begun to creep into uh, Christianity. You, you see, we see it in our day. It's certain things creep into the church, so certain ideas creep in, and it typically comes from our viewpoint in life before or our perspective of life. Well, when, when it comes to this time, you see folks had lived a life greeks greek philosophy they had lived uh with a, you know in the mediterranean they had they had all different belief systems and so when they got saved they it took a while so we're not just talking about jews getting saved we you know we're talking about greeks getting saved we're talking about romans getting saved and when these folks got saved, it, it did take some time to to kind of get their old mindsets out of them on philosophy and what their idea of religion was, ways of life. You know, in Corinth, we've seen that. Um, and not only that, they started trying to integrate some of that within Christianity. So... John's noting that. John is, is perceiving and, and understanding what's going on in the church. He was a he was an early pastor, he was an early teacher, he was an early apostle, writer of of the Bible, and he was a stalwart, stalwart in the early church, along with John and Peter, or I'm sorry, with Paul and Peter and James. Um but John knows and understands what's going on and as he does he he begins to address the modern day philosophy what was modern day then and the uh, attempted integration of these philosophies into um christianity and hence we have the gospel according to John okay uh, you can call it gospel if you want. Saint, we, we hear Saint John, which, you know, it applies, but we're all saints. But anyway, let, let's jump into this, okay? Now, in John 20 and 31, John 20 and 31, we're, we're not jumping ahead. We are going verse by verse. But in John 20 and 31, John gives his reasons. Uh, for writing this book. And it was to show that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's the Savior of all who believe in Him. John twenty 31. I'll read that quickly as we get started. You know when I do a new book, <clears throat> we spend really the first lesson in introduction. Um, John twenty thirty one. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name so John that's what I like about John John is so plain John or, uh, let me uh, let me ref, let me take that word back plain John is so plain spoken John is very direct and in in John's epistles as well as John's gospel he gives us the reason that he wrote that wrote these books and so he's written these books, or he's written the Gospel of John to teach us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, okay? That's why I always say Matthew to the, to the uh, Jews, Mark to the Romans, Luke to the Greeks, and John to the Christians, because he is presented as being God He is presented as being the son of God. So this, again, is to combat anyone that would try to put Christ on the same level as Zeus or Christ on the same level as some Greek mythological figure. And he is now saying, look, he is not a god. He is not some mythological god. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, hence being equal and God Himself. So that's how He's presented. That being the case, that's how it'll start out. Okay? John does not attempt to give us a, a history of the life of Christ like the other three do, but He chooses. To, to show, uh, he chooses some of the signs, some of the messages of the Lord, uh, but it's different from the other gospels. The key word in this is, is the word life. So let's look in the, in the very first verse In the beginning was the word. <laughs> Notice that the word, the, 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 the word, word, is capitalized here. That's important. What do you capitalize? You capitalize in the English language. And Samuel is always, has posed several good questions about uh, the Psalms not always capitalizing God. Um, people really take offense to that. I, and I do. I capitalize God. I, I do. Or at least the first letter of God, you know, because we're English people. However, the term, the phrase God, in the Hebrew, or I'm sorry, the in the Hebrew alphabet, there were no capital capital letters. The Hebrew alphabet didn't distinguish between capitalization and lowercase. In fact, the word God, when written in Hebrew, they would throw their pen away. They would they would write the word if they were writing and they wrote, wrote the word God, they would throw the pen away and, and start with a new pen. So they it's not that they didn't hold it in high esteem. They held it in greater esteem than us. But it, it wasn't necessarily in capital letters because they weren't capital letters in the Hebrew language. However, we got the Bible in English because we were English-speaking people. And so John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word... So the word here is capitalized. That would mean that it's it's a pronoun. It would mean it's capitalization. It's defining a name. So Jesus, in this book, will identify himself as being the bread of life. He'll identify himself as being the water. Many, many analogies he makes, but now he's saying, I am the word how much emphasis does your preacher put on the word of god the longest by bi- the longest book in all of the bible or the longest chapter in all of the bible is psalm 119 that's what i told you on sunday or wednesday night well then the subject matter is the word of god now we come into the book of first john or the book of The Gospel of John, and he identifies himself as being the Word. So, and it starts just like Genesis starts. You look in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. You look in John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word. Okay? And the Word was with God. So in the beginning, Jesus. Was with God, he he was there, he didn't just come along. You see, in Matthew and Luke, the genealogies, we have to prove his birth line, we have to prove his bloodline. Uh, well, I don't want to say his let me take that back his blood. He, did, look, let me just say something about his bloodline, okay? Let me say something about that. Do you realize a baby gets their blood from the father? The, the father's. Uh, genetic code provides and produces the blood in the the life of a baby you got that right who was Jesus' father it wasn't Joseph it was God Jesus' blood was directly from God boy that's good holy blood, royal blood So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Jesus was with God. Hold on. Hold on. It wasn't that he was just with God. It says that the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But he takes it a step further. The Word was God. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was and is God. That's who he is. That's the first verse. That's how John starts this. That's John's theme. That's John's purpose. That's John's motivation and motive for writing this book. Jesus is God. The same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him all things everything you see the entirety of the earth was made by god jesus christ and without him was not anything made that was made so anything that was produced you see man can cannot create man can take matter that already exists And we can produce, but we can't create that matter. So, I mean, we can take wood and we can build a house. Okay? We can take wood and stone and we can build monuments. We can take uh, sand and water and we can begin to produce concrete, you know, ground up stone and produce concrete. But we can't make sand. We can't make water. We can't make ground up stone. You see the difference? Vast difference there. So we, in our production, can't even do that without God. Man is so fascinated with what He does, what they make, what they produce. But you understand they can't do that without God. They can't produce anything. And that's what that verse says. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now watch this. In him was life. So in Jesus was life. And then verse 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So Jesus came with life. He shined in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now that's vastly different from Genesis. In Genesis, it starts, let there when in God says, Let there be light, and there was light, and the light overtook it, the light overcame. The darkness. And Jesus came and he he conquers and he overcomes. But, but mankind in its entirety, now certain individuals such as me, such as you, such as some, then we put our faith, trust, belief on him and understand he being the son of God and he is our way of salvation. But darkness doesn't comprehend light. It doesn't understand it. Satan doesn't understand Jesus nor his motives. You see, Satan wants power. Satan wants pride. Satan wants ego. Christ is not concerned with any of that. He just wants the glory of the Father and he wants to save people and make intercession for us and die for us. Satan can't understand that. So the darkness comprehended it not. And then I love verse 6. I love verse 6. This begins to transition into the importance of being a representative of Christ. This transitions into the importance of preaching and teaching and speaking of Christ. It goes right into... We, we start in identifying who Christ is, what Christ is, and then immediately, the sixth verse in this book, the sixth verse, the Bible transitions to the messenger. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So now, this is for a reason as well. This is to clarify that John the Baptist was not the Christ, but he spoke and he preached about the Christ. This is to clarify that John the Baptist is not Jesus. He was not the Messiah, but he spoke and he preached, and he was the forerunner. In fact, he was a cousin. In fact, John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. So in every way, he was a forerunner. His ministry started before public ministry did, and that was all prophesied that John would be on the scene to prepare the way for the Lord, to prepare the hearts of the men and women before Jesus got there. He preached a repentance message, he preached a powerful message, he preached a a knock-down, drag-out message, and he prepared people's hearts for the coming of the Lord. We're just going to probably get through verse 14 tonight, okay? Verse, We'll probably get through verse 14. So go back to verse 7, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. Is not John the Beloved talking about himself. This is John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He's, now watch this. Verse 8, he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. John was not the light of the world. John was not the Savior. He's sent to bear witness of the Savior. Verse 9, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now... Let me get into some theological discussions, real here. Right, and this is why we're going to stop after these set of verses because we're getting into theology. Here's the theology: Calvinism teaches you that some are predestinated to heaven and some are predestinated to hell, and then difficulty in you know the the legalistic side. Salvation types teach you that salvation should go by a certain structure and method and dogma. and always has to operate in the same way. Very regimented. Well, here's what your Bible says about all of that. He lighteth. Look! Look at this. Verse number nine. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You see that. (coughs) Every man, that refers to mankind, not the male figure, not the male anatomy, mankind. Every person that comes into this world has been given light by God that there is a God, there is a Savior, there is a Creator. I mean, We see it every day. Creation itself testifies that there's a God. So everyone born into the world is born with an understanding that there is a God. How and why? Because we have been lit with the light. The Bible says, He lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's everyone. And we get saved when, when the Spirit of God works in our hearts and we begin to respond affirmatively to the light that we've been given. That's why missions is so important. Every man that, that cometh into the world has that light within them. And as they respond affirmatively to the light that they've been given, then God promises he'll send more light to show them the way of the Savior. So we have to do our part in making sure the word gets out, the missions get out, the gospel gets out, as people respond affirmatively to the light in which they've been given. Do you see that? It's not a select few. It's not the quote-unquote elect it's not the, the predestinated he lighteth every man that cometh into the world he was in the world and the world was made by him imagine that imagine those words right there he was in the world he was in this place the world was he made this place he made the world the world was made by him and the world knew him not so he, he, he Everyone in this world has light to understand that there is a God. then Jesus Christ walks this earth as a man, and the world don't even realize who that is. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not That's the Jews. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons. Do you see that? That is illustration. That is documented. That is theology. That is proof of what I just told you. Everyone is born with light. Okay? And as you respond affirmatively and positively to the light in which you've been given, he gives more light and gives you power to become the sons of God. Verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on, not in, on his name. You remember that's the difference. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The second birth is not of blood, it's not of will of man. It is a birth from God. And the word was made flesh. So the word, which is capitalized, which is Christ, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When he came, he embodied grace and He embodied truth. And if we're going to be like Christ, that is what we must be. We must be full of grace and we must be full of truth. I know a lot of people that have a lot of truth and sometimes lack grace. I know a lot of people that say they have grace, they don't have truth. Christ was the embodiment of grace and truth, all wrapped in one. Our objective is to be like Christ. How are you going to be like Christ? Feel yourself full of truth and be gracious about it. In fact, grace precedes truth. Grace precedes truth. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, being blessed with what you don't deserve. So the more grace bestowed upon us, given to us, experienced by us, should drive us to fill ourselves with more truth. Jesus Christ was known for being full. Full. Like full. Do you know what something full is? It means it's complete. It's up to the brim. It can't hold anymore. What was he full of? He was full of grace. And he was full of truth. I'm leaving with that. I'm I'm closing with that. Closing with that thought, you go into this week, you approach people, people approach you, you live your life, you come in contact with others, you have a relationship with God, may you do so with grace and truth. This has been John chapter number 1, verses 1 through 14 in podcast first podcast of our series on John. Good night. God bless. I love you all. I'll see you Wednesday.